Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. So Mark, I know you and I talk a lot about our kind of journeys into recovery and how we, how we, you know, got to the point that we're at today. And I know that for both of us, probably like, you know, most of the people listening, this is, you know, that journey, I think, look, ends up looking drastically different than most of us envision in a lot of different ways. Um, oh, that's I, so true. My gosh. Oh, yeah. Compare I mean, what I, how I look at recovery today from when it very first started for me. Absolutely. Like, wait, is that in the same, same galaxy, same universe? I mean, yes. this is so different. So, totally. Well, and, and, you know, as I look back, I mean, I first, I first did some therapy. My mom didn't, didn't know what was all was going on, but she could tell something was clearly off with me. And uh, so she, she sent me to a, a, a really good therapist at the time that was local to me. And I remember having a really good experience with him. But I also remember not really fixing anything long term. It didn't end mm. up really, you know, panning out the way I wanted it to, yeah, or or thought it would. And because I, again, I wasn't. Well, I'll talk about that in a second. I I just wasn't in that place of willingness. Then as life progressed and kind of went on, and the consequences for the addiction started to mount, right? <laughs> you kind of get blindsided with this thing and that thing that are all kind of telling you, hey, you probably need to, you know, change this and. And all those things would 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 induce, you know, kind of some short term change and they would bring about a little bit more, I guess you could say, humility or openness to other ideas. But I continued to just kind of have this idea of how God was supposed to heal me from this and how that would look and and it better be my way more than I realized at the time. And yeah. Now right? so for me too, is like, okay, I'll do, I'll do some of these things, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I expect you to take this from me. 
I want yes. to be cured. I want to be done. Absolutely. And we had an idea and we both had ideas, right, of how that would look. And mm-hmm. such was the case for me. Well, fast forward, I got married. And before I got serious about recovery, we my wife pushed me in a couple of ways to I went and saw a counselor that specialized in this, which at the time there weren't many of those. And I think I went for like two sessions and then conveniently just never rescheduled. <laughs> um, and at the time, I know I made up all sorts of excuses about I was busy in grad school and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, really what it came back to was, yeah, just some resistance still. And then I uh, and because I had, you know, with recovery and with the way I interacted with with God and what I thought he was in my life and how he how he would respond. I, I ended up, all this kind of ended up culminating in this really angry, I guess some would call it a prayer. It was more like a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, a venting of sorts. <laughs> yeah, Where venting. I just, you know, for, for years, I'd kind of just approached God as this, you know, for, through a really proper way of, you know, I know you can help me, please help me, but then never really following through and, you know, never felt like I was getting much help because God just wasn't coming in here and cheering me magically. And I had this really angry, angry prayer with God that just said, you know what, you don't need me, so I don't need you. Like, and it was far more crass language than that, but I just said, <laughs> we're done. Yeah. You know, I was this angry, sobbing, yelling prayer. Like I've had it. And as I look back now, I mean, at the time, it just felt like kind of the end of my spiritual life. Like I was ready to leave my faith. I was in all sorts of, uh, I was in a bad way in all sorts of ways. My marriage was like on the rocks and it was kind of go time. Well, as I look back now through years of kind of experience on that time, I get a really strong, call it a spiritual impression or, or, or a truth uh, that comes to me that that all of those little things, the counselor when I was a teenager, right? The other therapist when I was a little bit older, um, you know, having risks come to jobs and to other things and to my marriage as a result, all of those things took led me to a recovery journey that took far longer and involved far more than I thought it would at the outset. Right. Yeah. Don't we often say if, if I'd have been shown the, the, the full vision of what this was going to take long-term, I probably never would have entered the path. Totally. Well, and that's (laughs) the thing, right? Because I don't think we can, I literally don't think that most of us, even those who are in early recovery and are working with a good therapist, I, I think we, all of us, we just lack the ability to really know what this is going to take and what's all going to be involved. Yeah, we can't, you can't know. Yeah, it's yeah. just not possible. Absolutely. I get guys who come in often and they'll come in in that very desperate place, like kind of like I was at the time, you know, and they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm losing my marriage. This is happening. Like I, I'll do whatever it takes. You know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And you know what I say in myself internally? I don't mean this in a bad way, but I tell myself, no, you're not. No, you're not. And, and it's not because I'm questioning your desire. It's because unless you've walked this path, you don't know what you're signing up for yet. You're yeah, gonna, he, yeah. I'm going to walk you through it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is, this is a lot more involved than probably you can possibly imagine. And so, you know, that what reason why I'm talking about this is because, you know, you and I hear oftentimes from clients about, you know, a variety of topics, but one that seems to keep commonly coming up is this concept of, you know, expectations in a relationship, expectations in the recovery process versus, you know, personal boundaries, right? When it comes to the, when it comes to self and how do I, how do I navigate those two? Because for a lot of clients in a lot of different scenarios for addicts and spouses, that tends to be kind of in conflict with each other. 
Yeah, it's really true because, <clears throat> you know, I, I, we often a little jokingly, but actually it's pretty real. It, you know, it's pretty real is expectations. We often say are just future resentments. You know, yeah. when we have all kinds of ex- expectations about how something has to turn out in order for me to be happy, or it better go this way, or I'm going to be miserable, right? And, and yeah. whenever we set ourselves up for that, there are a lot of, there are a lot of potential disappointments down the road. <clears throat> but, but by the same token, it's very natural and normal to have lots of expectations, and I like to, as I think about my own life and a lot of people I've worked with, you know, I think, well, where do expectations come from? And for mm-hmm. me, they're really kind of a, a pain protection strategy, right? When I've been through a lot of pain, I've had a lot of disappointment. I've been stomped on and you know, all these things have happened to me. Now I start to, I start to uh, put up my shield or my wall and say, look, uh, I can't take any more of this pain. This, this, this hurts too much. So I have certain expectations going forward. And if yeah. it doesn't go this way, I'm out because I'm sick of this pain. So I found, you know, yeah. it really becomes a, a survival uh, strategy or protection strategy that's very legitimate. It's very legitimate that, you know, for example, when a wife first finds out that her husband's, you know, been hiding this pornography or sexual addiction from her for years or decades in some cases, yeah, you know the initial the initial knee jerk response because of the horrendous pain is, okay, here are the expectations, and if you don't meet these, we're done. Yeah, and that's yeah. very understandable and legitimate as as an, sure. as an initial response. And so I I really feel that right. I have a I have a real uh, place in my heart for that for that approach. Of course we do. Of course we have that response. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, I, another common one that that I will hear is, you know, I, you know, Steve, I'm I'm not I'm not sure, but I just don't think I can, you know, unless unless something changes, I just don't think I can do more than you know two or three more months. Yeah. Or sometimes it's not even with the changes piece added on. It's just you know, I I think I've got. I had one couple. I think I've talked about them before who came to me and said, "We've been doing this for years." you have 10 sessions to get this figured out for us. And then we're then, and if it's not better, we're done. How <laughs> to right. tell me that? Like that was the first thing out of their mouth on, on, on day one. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about pressure for the therapist. <laughs> well, and, and that is a good example of what we would pr- refer to as kind of a rigid expectation. Right. Right. Yes. Because, you know, it's, it's important to have boundaries in recovery and they're essential you know, on a personal level, we're always having to look at, you know, boundaries, as we talk about on here often need to be a reflection of the authentic self. You know, what are my real hopes, my dreams, my needs, my wants, and what, what boundaries, what lines do I need to draw with myself and with others in order to be congruent, to live congruently with that. And expectations. Oh, go ahead. Totally legit. I mean, Steve and I are not saying that, that there, there shouldn't be boundaries. There shouldn't be, of course, a vision of where we want to head with this, something that I can see in my mind of where we'll get to. That's absolutely part of this. And there should be bottom line boundaries for sure. These are non-negotiables. This is what I need for this to work. So that yeah, there are is part of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are those certain things that we all have, right? Like, for example, in the recovery, I mean, this applies to other stuff too, but in the, in the recovery process, even though we don't always think about it that way, everybody needs to have those 
those things which you know if if those lines are crossed really regardless of the circumstance or the timing or anything else like this thing's probably done mm-hmm. right? mm-hmm. and that's a little bit different for everybody but it's it's healthy to have those other boundaries though uh, over time in the right context and i want to emphasize in the right context <laughs> because never on the fly or never from a manipulative place should should evolve or, over time right they are by nature fluidic what is needed at one stage of recovery may not be what is needed at another and likewise what is expected at one stage of recovery once one gains more knowledge understanding sees progress versus not right those expectations are also also ought to be if we're being authentic somewhat fluidic as a result yeah because boundaries and expectations in recovery should serve you not the other way around i uh, worked with a, a spouse once who kind of drew a line in the sand with her husband at the beginning of the process and she just said you know i'm you've got to the end of the year to be free of this and and then we're mo- and then i'm done well, over the course of a year, worked with him, right? And there was lots of good progress made. We did a lot of good things. His relapses went way down. Um, things were going well in a lot of respects. But there was, you know, he was still relapsing on occasion. He was, you know, being open and honest with her. But he was, you know, there were areas of recovery that still needed fine-tuning. Mm-hmm. Well, she met with me like two weeks before the deadline because we all <laughs> knew this was kind of hanging over over our head. And and she hadn't really been in a place to address it before this. Otherwise, I would have. Um, I just it was one of those situations. You kind of have to just let them come to that place. Um, but uh, she came to me in an individual session. She was really worried. She said, I don't know what to do because I remember, you know, a year ago, you remember we laid this boundary down. Right. And like that's in two weeks and he's not free of this. And she said, and I, and I initially started to kind of offer empathy. Like, I know I'm, I, I know we're doing our best and I'm, I know this is hard. And she cut me off. You know what she said? She's like, no, no, no. She's like, I, I don't want to end it in two weeks. Like this yeah. progress has been really good. Like, but I'm not sure what to do because I feel like I'm going to be waffling on what I said. And if I start waffling on boundaries again, then what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so we had kind of let ourselves get in this place in therapy where where the the bound the expectation was almost boxing her in, right? Yeah, Rather than almost, serving her. Almost like you taught her too good about boundaries, right? <laughs> <laughs> they were just like rock, you know, and 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 you know, that looking back, we we probably should have done some more exploration on like what does being done actually look like versus not, but we also should have had this discussion, you know, this discussion about it's okay for expectations to change over time under the right circumstances. Yeah. And, and, you, and you have to have an, oh, just say one more thing. You have to have an openness, kind of like with my story of recognizing that even though we are setting expectations and boundaries, especially when it comes to the expectations piece, they have to be fluidic because when we set expectations, we don't have all the information now that we will when that time comes. Right? Yes. And so there has to be an openness to kind of like my story. If I'm clinging to the idea of I got into addiction at 13 and I better be healed by 16 or God hates me, well, I'm screwed. And that's kind of where I was, right? It was it was just like, clearly you don't care and, and are done. But as I look back, all those little experiences, that was the tapestry. Knowing my stubborn personality, that was the tapestry God had to weave for me to be open to recovery eight years ago. Yeah, exactly. It all came down to that, right?
Hey everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Well, and I love what you're saying because one of the things that I have seen consistently, and I hope that this will give hope uh, to those listening, when therapy, you know, real therapy work, in-depth work uh, has stages to it as we peel back the layers. And it's really surprising how it works. You start out with, you know, a basic sexual addiction or pornography addiction. It's all about getting sober. It's all about him stopping these behaviors, which is very, very important. Yes. But as you move through the process and you start to uncover not just the symptoms, but the deep core issues, you find things that you never dreamed existed. And I find this with a lot of couples where, where wives will come to me and they'll say, Mark, he is being open and vulnerable and expressing feelings for the first time in our marriage. This yeah. has never happened before. And he's starting to discover things about you know, what he does and why he does it. You know, then we start to get into things where the guy's exploring stuff, traumas that he experienced when he was younger. He's looking at those for the very first time and family, you know, family of origin issues and all the stuff that comes up as you peel through these layers. And what you discover is that your expectations begin to change because you see that this individual that you care so deeply for is trying. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. When, when I have guys who really work it, you can see them just straining and yearning and just anguishing over wanting to do this work. Right. Oh, Mark, I didn't know I had these feelings. I didn't know what feelings were. You're helping me to to have feelings for the first time. And it's like this giant uh, world opens up to them. And when that happens, I mean, let's just say it like it is, it can actually appear to get worse before it gets better. For sure. Right. It gets Absolutely. messy. And now all of a sudden he's experiencing stuff and he's feeling things he never felt before. And uh, I have cases of uh, where relapses actually could get worse in some ways. Oh, for sure. He's dealing yeah. with garbage, man, that has just been pressed down for decades. Yep. So it has to be fluid because the discovery process in my healing and my recovery is doesn't adhere to a timeline. It doesn't adhere to a formula. Absolutely. You know, but it's so awesome. Don't you, this isn't one of the favorite parts of you for therapy is to see somebody anguish through this process. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's, it's unfortunate oftentimes because, you know, expectations, we hold them deliberately, but we also hold, you know, explicitly, but we also hold them implicitly as well. And what I mean by that is sometimes we have them operating in the background and they're not, and we're not even quite sure of why. Yeah. Right. Because there's that element of, and we've talked about this before, how, you know, people in general are aversive, are averse to pain. We don't like feeling pain. We generally try to avoid it. Addicts amply more so <laughs> than, than your typical, because yeah. we just don't have not built that tolerance up. And a lot of the men that I work with, I am looking and thinking of clients that I have now and clients that I've worked with over the years, it's very easy without even realizing it to get, to, to get hung up on, on, subtle ways in which we think quote unquote that this should look look at 
look like at this point in time, right? Yeah, I just, I had a client a while back. Uh, he had kept his sexual addiction, porn addiction secret from his wife for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was a couple months into recovery. We were starting, we were starting into the deep work. Yeah. And he didn't like it. There was, a, there was a part of him that the pain he was starting to face and confront and open up to and starting to share things with his wife he never dared to share before. And it was awkward and embarrassing. And, and he wasn't liking it. There was yeah. a part of him that's like, heck, I'm not doing this. And he came to me and he says, when is my wife just going to forgive me and move on? When can we put this behind us? <laughs> and I looked at him and said, I said, dude, uh, you kept this hidden I for know. 30 years. And after two months, you're, you're asking when this is going to, when can we put this behind us? And of course yes. he saw the, he saw the paradox of these. Like, I know that's ridiculous. Sure. And I said, let's talk real, let's talk raw about this. What is that question you're asking me really about? Yeah. It's about the fact that you're facing things and feeling things and having to develop new habits and openness and rawness that you've never faced in your life. And it scares the living daylights out of you. Yeah. It hurts. And you Absolutely. want to know when can this be over? For sure. Well, and, and I think it's important to, to, to remember too, you know, part of why this whole process has to be fluidic and, and somewhat malleable by definition is because our own sense of authenticity changes in recovery. If we're doing mm. it right, we are not the same people, even a couple of months into into hard recovery that we were just a few months ago totally true and oh so therefore you know you have to have kind of that element of element of change or, or flexibility now i want to we do need to be clear though because i can almost i can <laughs> almost hear some of our listeners probably some of our spouse clients and rightfully so maybe there's some fear coming up just like what do you mean like boundaries are supposed to be bound. That's what makes them boundaries, right? Yes. And, and we want to be clear. These boundaries should not and cannot change under any sort of pressure or manipulation from the partner. Yes. The time to look at and examine boundaries is not in the moment. The time whether or not to hold on to your 48 hours of, of no sexual contact because you don't feel safe after a relapse. The time to debate that is not right after a relapse and your husband's giving you puppy dog eyes like, please, can we do it anyway? Like yes. that's not the time, right? <clears throat> um, but there, are, but as, as we have quiet moments where we're able to reflect as we do good therapy and we do good journaling and we're, we get honest with ourselves and we're constantly looking at that, there is a delicate space where we can hold boundaries and remain authentic while recognizing that there are elements to this process that are out of con out of our control, everything ranging from what our spouse does to you know we're spiritually minded on this podcast, we're pretty open about it to what maybe the plan is for you as a couple from your higher power. You have to take that into account if if you buy into that notion because that's a huge you know Mark and I hail from a place of that's a huge part of a relationship, and and. The, I have found in my recovery and in the recovery of my clients, whether you believe in God or not, the more we let go of, of trying to outthink the future and the expectations, and the more we focus on recovery today, inevitably what, what that leads to is, is quicker, faster, more solid recovery, because it's happening in a way that on a, on a clinical level, I would argue that it's supposed to happen. You know, it's, it's happening organically on a spiritual level. I'd argue that it's happening because you're, you're letting your higher power into your marriage in a better way or in a, in a, in a more deep way, maybe is a better way to put it. 
Yeah, I love that. And, you know, and I, I'm going to throw a caution out there to, to those listening, because I can tell you, I've been here. If, if, if in my early recovery, someone had talked about making boundaries fluid and setting aside rigid expectations, my ego addict brain would have taken that and been running with it. Sure. Ah, look at this. Yeah. Room for Room for maneuvering, room Stephen for... Mark said it should be flexible. I don't know what you're <laughs> yeah. talking about. That's right. <laughs> so the thing for us, I'm going to tell you, the most important part, in my, in my opinion, about looking at navigating this difference between boundaries and expectations and having fluidity and progressing and expanding and evolving all comes down to this thing called intention. What is my true intention? So as an addict in recovery, is my intention to check the boxes and do the minimum and make it look like I'm doing what I'm supposed to, I'm going through the motions, or am I all in? Mm -hmm. Period, done, come hell or high water, I am all in. And that is my intention. And if it is, now a spouse can, can actually have some trust that if boundaries are fluid at the right time and under the right circumstances... Yeah. I know that he won't take advantage of that because he's all in. I can tell. His intention is he is doing this, period. He's not going to try to take advantage. He's not going to try to push, you know, boundaries, et cetera. So it's intention, guys. Where's where's your heart? Where what 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 is your what are your deepest feelings raw and down deep about this? Yeah. And are you gonna try to take advantage? Are you gonna are you gonna do whatever is required? right? To make the, the best progress you can check that yeah. intention. Cause man, you got to keep a close eye on that. And the other thing that I, th- I would just add to that, and I know we got to wrap this thing up, but, but would be, you know, when you're making boundaries, when you're re-examining them, when you're, you know, evaluating them and possibly looking to make changes, when you're kind of keeping an eye to the expectations that you're having for how this should look and where it's going, um, it is also important to, to make sure that you're making those decisions and those thought processes from a, I don't know, for lack of a better term, from a balanced perspective, mm. meaning that you're in a place where you're not operating either under shame or under trauma or under, you know, pride, whatever it might be when you, when you look at the process, because there's, there is, the reality is, is that there's lots of, for, for most of the couples that Mark and I work with, I mean, even when things are really rough, there are still good things happening to some degree. And that shouldn't in any way outdo the negative. But sometimes I think it's a little easy, especially when you're in heavy therapy, to get a little bit myopic with the negative because in therapy, mm. that's what clients pay me for. That's what they pay Mark for, right? I, I, I think a good therapist is one that even when things are going really well, when I have clients that are doing really well, I, we do a little bit of praise. We talk about what's working and then we immediately like, okay, so what's the next hard thing? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and that, and, and that, and it's easy. I think when you have that focus sometimes to lose sight of, you know, being able to look back and say, you know, not just, okay, here, here are the, here are the things going wrong and I should set boundaries or expectations from that, but let's make sure we're taking into account the positive changes that are happening. And are these still, are these still reflective of that for either either needing to be more or le- less or more rigid? Right? Yeah, yeah. Either one. Yeah. So. Seeing and celebrating the little victories is really important. And, and we Absolutely. can lose sight of that sometimes. You know, so as, as we leave people with something to do with all of this, right, this navigating expectations and boundaries, you know, one of the things, uh, Steve and I would really encourage you to do is 
just start exploring with each other. Where are you with all of this? Uh, try to have, uh, when you're in a good place, when you're in a pretty calm place, try to have a dialogue with each other to just talk about, okay, what expectations do I have? What, what do yours look like? Are those reasonable? Are, have they changed over time? Uh, what about our boundaries? Are, are we holding them? Is, is there a place to start to talk about whether they uh, can, should be adjusted uh, one way or the other? Just having a really open, vulnerable, raw conversation about boundaries and expectations is a really great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. No, I completely, completely agree. Obviously, everybody listening is going to be in a different stage of recovery. And so I think that the most important thing is, yeah, you just get a, you know, a dialogue going, right? And, and have this be an open conversation. That's, that's another key to this as well. As long as now, obviously, trust and safety come into the, into play here, as as with many of the goals that we set. So we're sensitive to that. Uh, please do let those things guide you primarily. But um, as as there is safety to have these discussions, uh, this should be this really should be something that's integrated into check ins on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, we ought to be we ought to be reexamining and looking at these things anywhere from, you know, at minimum, I'd say at least like monthly you know, and making sure we're on this, on the right track where what, what's happening is, is in line with where we're wanting to go. And again, it's not about always, it's definitely not about, you know, just loosening the reins on things because often, obviously in recovery, there are ups and there are downs. Sometimes we have to go the opposite and say, yeah, I think we've regressed a little bit. Yep. And so we've got to make some changes so we can keep this thing working well. Yep. And so if you can maintain that openness to that and that dialogue, I think, I think we're, Pair that with a little good therapy, and I think you're going to be in a good place. Love it. All right, everyone. Well, um, after you hear this, it'll be Thanksgiving week, and that's we right. Hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, wherever you're at, and try to focus on things that you're grateful for. And uh, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. Be well. Be safe. And be sober, everybody. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember. The opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.